Congratulations! You found it! The most inappropriate book club you never knew you were missing! Starring the original book divas Martha Steele and Vonnie Golden. And also featuring Keith Steigert, Uber Reader and Romance Junkie. These people are passionate about books. Maybe a little too passionate. Plotting world domination one book at a time, they are three book girls! Okay, everybody. Breathe in through your Adam's apple and out through your nipples. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> Good job, everyone. Oh well, now <laughs> so, you're gonna have to send it to me, baby. So we will, we'll we'll add the meme to the to the podcast notes for this week in case you have no, <laughs> no fucking idea what we're talking about. It's always funny because you just assume I'll do the things you say. Keith? One of these days, I'm just gonna mm-hmm. put a whole bunch of pictures Keith, of do dicks. You, do you remember? Do, uh, do you remember the conversation we just had uh, earlier? <laughs> Do you remember the business conversation we just had earlier? About no, I was really being... hungover for that conversation. <laughs> You're not supposed to drink before the annual meeting. <laughs> yes, well, Vonnie, speaking as one who brought me the alcohol. This is our lunch party. Lunch party? Lunch. I'm sorry. I'm an idiot that loves the office, and so I was trying to make a joke, but nobody else is a nerd like me, so it's all fine. No, I'm just so, I'm overly excited to the extent that I can't process anything else right now, because I'm so excited about it. I mean, this is, it's, it's a momentous fucking occasion, you guys. It must be. This is LLC. Five years in the making. Oh, wow. You've been been on five yeah. years? You've been on five We've been years? podcasting for five years. Congratulations. We, we started with 40 <laughs> listens. You know. Most of them in Canada, oddly enough. We have no <laughs> idea why. We are a true ensemble cast mm-hmm. now. See, we're all just her puppets. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I just have such a really warm and fuzzy mm-hmm. feeling. Could you guys excuse me for about 20 minutes? <laughs> She's got to go see Tracy's dog. She's got to go pet the dog. <laughs> I got to take the dog for a walk. <laughs> <laughs> that's the new that's the new, new phrase, phrase. <laughs> success is out there you, just, you just have, have to, to wait for a real long fucking time and persevere yes and persevere. persevere getting in good with buzzfeed doesn't hurt yeah, uh, right. <laughs> yeah that helps a well, lot you know how that buzzfeed thing came about don't you yes because you because i read an article and commented on the article and said hey we're awesome you should do a, a, <laughs> an article about us you know you got to be your own uh advocate, advocate. Uh, that's mm-hmm. right that podcast book that i read says exactly that don't be afraid to reach out to people even and if you only someone. have 40 listeners mm-hmm. oh we i believed in us the cook is making noise mm-hmm. again <laughs> That damn cook. One more time and he's fired. So Next time, I'm going to make him take off his shirt and cook. <laughs> Bacon. Oh, no. That's the oh, worst There's nothing worse ever. than grease on the nipples. Can you do that when we're not here? Yeah. <laughs> no, worse than that, make him take off his pants and cook some bacon. <laughs> no, I'm not that cruel. Watch out for spatter. There'd be no dog walking for quite a while. Nope. No dog walking. Oh, mm-hmm. and before I forget to mention this, this is a really important point. Lady Farah yes. is in the hot seat on the podcast. Her mm-hmm. sister Phyllis got to go first for the first time in her life. <laughs> I bet she's That's gone true. first plenty of times. <laughs> no, but between these two, 
Vera mm-hmm. is the older sister, so I know. I have Phyllis do all the risky things first to test out to make sure it's going to be safe and God. good for me. Well, that's just that's good the sense. joys of being the older sister. And Aww. you see Phyllis nodding her head. Yes, that's because she doesn't want to get a boob punch later. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh-huh. So you heard us talk la- last week that that Phyllis and Farah are from Portland, Oregon. And you know what I love most about Ferris and Phyllis? Ferris and Phyllis? Farah and Phyllis, what? sorry. What? You know what I love about Farah and Phyllis? What? Is that they're sisters, but they act like they're best friends. They're the <laughs> funnest people Aww. ever. I like want my relationship with my sisters to be like theirs. Are you guys really friends or is this all just a an They're going to give each other noogies later. <laughs> Mom no. said we uh-huh. had to be friends. Yeah. I'm gonna, you know what? I think you should get a shirt that mm-hmm. says that. I'll be mushy yeah. and say I'm really fortunate to have Phyllis as my sister. Yeah. Aww. She has been a good friend. We've done, gone through so a lot together. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it makes me miss my younger sister because when we're together we have so much fun but I don't get to see her that often only like maybe once a year twice a year oh. and mm-hmm. it makes me want to it makes call me her. sad because I hmm. my sisters and I have very different opinions and lifestyles and they don't like my filthy mouth so it's real hard to be in the same room a lot of times because of that. Because I just can't stop saying fuck. Plus, she has the upside down pineapples and the gnomes everywhere. <laughs> they just don't get me. What can yeah. I say? <laughs> so you know what mm-hmm. I've done? I've chosen my own fucking sisters. <laughs> and they are all in this podcast with me. Aww. And all of the people in this room are my sisters. <laughs> now who's being pointed? Who yeah. Martha. <laughs> Seriously, who broke the tit man over there? there. Yes. <laughs> was that Grinch, Grinch's heart grew three times that day. Yes. <laughs> Fuck y'all. <laughs> That's love, baby. <laughs> so forward we move into strange new territory. The honeymoon's and over. All of us are running into this endeavor blind. And it's really daunting to look at a paper filled with legalese and know that you're signing your... I'd sign my kids away if you want them. <laughs> yeah, she did offer us a, a child. I mean, I can change your collateral um, you level could have to them children. All. <laughs> <laughs> no, but when you're doing something with people you love, it doesn't... Mm-hmm. Capital investments. It's just paperwork. Mm -hmm. Capital investments. I've got people and legal protection (laughs) that you're now LLC. Yeah, exactly. That is a good Mm -hmm. point. Taxes be damned. (laughs) And here comes the IRS. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Has anybody Mm -hmm. got any friends in the IRS? I know we have we have lots of government people, but we need somebody that we need somebody from the IRS to join our OnlyFans page. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be a double bonus. A little legal advice on the mm-hmm. side. Some little cash donations. <laughs> well, you know, give a little, take a little. Yeah. Give a little advice. Oh, yeah. And we have we have the Patreon for that. Mm-hmm. Yes. And Patreon True. is a great way for you to show us that you think we're awesome and help us out in our new endeavor of being business people as we are now. I love the way that sounds. We're <laughs> yeah. business people now. She says she loves the way it sounds, but she won't 
come January 1st when she has to pay taxes on all this. No, it's going to make me pretty fucking cross. But what Mm -hmm. what can you do? (laughs) Unfortunately, you know, there are good sides and bad sides. So Patreon, support us, please, because now we have to pay taxes. (laughs) (laughs) You do have a tax accountant, don't you? No, (laughs) we don't have a tax accountant. It is now time to get (laughs) a tax accountant. It's all right. We always have Josh to fall back on. (laughs) Josh Lupton? (laughs) (laughs) That's not all you want to do, fall back on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, did you see that look on Megan's face? He's like... Just bring some of that leptin over here. (laughs) We want to see you in that white see-through shirt. (laughs) Somebody bring over the hose. And you know he's a reader. The thing about Josh is he's a renaissance man. The 70s were the renaissance? (laughs) For him. Uh Oh. (laughs) He only reads 1970s science fiction. But he's like an old soul. You know who else... I would like to be subscribing to the OnlyFans page. Is that Ukrainian guy? What's his name? Ah, Zelensky. Oh my God, he is so pretty. And you know what's really cool about him is he's got the package going. Not that package. No, he has the package. <laughs> he might have that the package. Full package, yeah. and that is that is he has a fantastic sense of humor, and that's what I find most attractive in a man. And he has a sense of authority. Mm-hmm. And, and he's... I bet you he looks hot in a uniform. Just saying. Oh, that's right. Vonnie has a thing mm, for uniforms. Like those uniforms. And fishermen. And fishermen, <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and lumberjacks. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Bring me a lumberjack, I don't know about baby. the lumberjacks. What? I, I've never... I don't know if Flannels I've Flannels and beard? Seriously. But that can be fishermen. Yum. Which is why it works, Vonnie. <laughs> Come on. I bet lumberjacks take off. Get on board the lumberjack their, train. Lumberjacks probably take their shirts off way off more often than those fishermen. And you know what lumberjacks do? <laughs> they Cut bring wood. They bring <laughs> the wood. <laughs> <laughs> because Ukraine has been in the news so much, I decided to read a book that was based in Ukraine, and it is called Midnight in Chernobyl: The Story of the World's Greatest Nuclear Disaster by Adam Higginbotham. I don't know who all remembers this because it was quite a bit ago, 1986. So the younger crowd probably will not remember when this actually happened. But Chernobyl was one of the first nuclear power plants. And it was owned by Russia, but it was in Ukraine. And the number four reactor melted down. And this is kind of the story of what led up to it what happened during the meltdown, the reaction from the government, and uh, what happened after, what they did to basically clean it up and keep everybody safe. Because, of course, you know, it's, it's pumping out radiation, which is extremely dangerous for everybody. So they had to evacuate the city and all of the people. The thing that I found fascinating about this book was the way the government handled everything. And there was so much that went into the ultimate disaster that this caused. They had faulty machinery. They had untrained people. They had done no tests to know what these elements would do to individuals, to human beings. And when it actually happened, the whole situation was, they didn't handle it very well. It was not properly handled at all. When the reactor 
went down first, they basically didn't really tell everybody how bad it was. And I mean, to the point where it almost was laughable that the people from the power plant were calling the people from the government and trying to tell them what happened. And they're like, we'll just shut down reactor number four. And they kept saying, we can't. There's no reactor number four left. And then they would just say again, shut down number four. And they're like, dude, are you listening to me here? Because we can't. This is nonfiction. So it does read a little textbooky in parts. But the whole effect of the radiation on people was fascinating to me. And the way that the government handled the whole situation was fascinating to me. It's fascinating because it was so bad. Let me put it that way. It's not fascinating because I think it's a wonderful thing. It's fascinating that they could have handled the situation so bad and, and why they weren't straightforward with the individuals who lived in this city and why they didn't evacuate them sooner. Would you say it was because of perspective? You know, the government didn't want the rest of the world know that that's exactly what it was they wanted to be number one in the power race Mm -hmm. and so um they didn't want the word to get out that it happened and they would actually arrest people who were trying to warn people too much like one of the workers in the power plant said that they needed to go home to get something and it was one of the higher ups and he went home and started to evacuate his family and he was arrested because he was causing panic in the city by trying to evacuate his family, telling his family to leave. So it was just, it's insane that a government would be so concerned with what the rest of the world thinks that they would put their own citizens in danger. Yeah, I remember. It's fascinating and sad. Yeah. I was going to say, I remember when it did happen. Because, you know, that time and I think from our perspective where we were living and, you know, the news was getting out. There's something serious that happened in Chernobyl Mm -hmm. and we get this news in, you know, Russia saying, oh, no, nothing happening. But they could see from the satellites and stuff that something bad has happened. So in the book, did they say it was... um, reported first outside of Russia and then they had to backtrack. Yeah, it <laughs> was. Safe they, face. Did, they did talk about that. Uh, and Russia denied mm-hmm. it for a long time. Yeah. But but like you said, they saw it on satellite views mm-hmm. and it was yeah, it was it was horrible what happened. But I mean eventually the government did come around and kind of reimburse people for everything that they lost because by the time the government actually evacuated the city they didn't have time to like pack very much people left with milk sitting on the table with only the clothes on their back and they couldn't go back and get it because the radiation would have killed them so it was a horrible horrible situation and I learned a lot about the different kinds of radiation and what it does to you including the um, elements that are considered uh, radiation that are in cigarette smoke. They talked about that too. I actually did not know that either. But yeah, it was it was a really good book. And I know this isn't going to be for everybody because a lot of people don't like the nonfiction. And since it was not like a storyline kind of nonfiction book and it was textbooky, a lot of people will not like this. But 
I know I have some fans out there that would love it because I did. And that again was called Midnight in Chernobyl by Adam Higginbotham. So now that I brought this roller coaster to the bottom of the hill, who wants to bring us back up to the top? Oh, cue Keith. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. I was trying to get you a bridge. Have a romance. <laughs> One of these days, I'm going to come in and I'm going to like be like, yes, Vonnie. And now I'll be talking about the death of like 50 people. <laughs> in a sexy voice. Yes. What will you do? Oh. <laughs> okay, yes. I'll bring the mood up. So this week, uh, the book I'm reviewing is called Savvy Sheldon Feels Good as Hell by Taj McCoy. And this is a debut novel. It was an amazing debut novel. This book is about Savvy Sheldon. Uh, It's short for Savannah. And she is not living her best life right now. She has been with the same man for the last six years. They live together. He's pretty much been her only boyfriend so I mean she's been with him forever and this relationship is what she thinks her normal is and honestly it's not the greatest relationship and the the fact that she can't see that is very heart-wrenching uh it's little things he's not abusive or anything but uh, she's a plus-size woman and he constant and she loves to cook And she makes very healthy selections, but whatever she does, he will make little comments like, do you really think you need that? One night she puts on her sexiest lingerie and he makes a comment instead of being like, va, 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 voom, baby. He makes a comment about how, I don't know that that is really your best look. Uh, Right, right. And so one night he just kind of blindsides her by saying, you know what? We've been doing this for six years, and I think I deserve more. And I'm going to go out and find that. And Mm. she just feels awful about herself, because who wouldn't? But she has these amazing, this amazing group of girlfriends. And they right away are like, hey, are you kidding me? He's the dick, not you. Like, don't even Mm. listen to that bullshit. And she decides that she wants to get the revenge body she wants to so she goes out she's gonna get the hairs done she's gonna start getting fit she's gonna lose some weight and she's gonna show him that he wants her back and she's gonna make him come crawling to her so she starts doing all this great stuff um she's a a huge workaholic and he's obviously had a problem with that because that means she has less time to fawn all over his ass so she she kind of steps back a little from work she spends all this time she used to she was a tennis champion in high school and then she had an injury so she starts doing what she loves again she starts going to tennis lessons uh she starts getting better shape she starts you know eating in moderation whereas before she was kind of starving herself but now she's she's cooking more because that's her love language In the meantime, she's living in her mother's house. She bought her mother's house, and it needs a lot of work done. Now, her mother keeps telling her about this contractor that's working on a neighbor's house down the way. And um, (laughs) it's so funny because she keeps seeing this guy, and every time she sees him, he kind of looks her up and down, and he really appreciates what he's seeing. (laughs) And she thinks he's this homeless guy that walks his dog by her house all the time. (laughs) 
So when she meets him and he introduces himself, he's like, she's like, oh, hi, homeless guy. I don't have any money, but... I mean, she doesn't call him homeless guy, but she's basically like, hi, you know what? I- I'm sorry. I really don't have any money. And he's just kind of like, do you think I'm homeless? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> but he is the contractor. So, um, you know, she she needs some work done. And he makes no bones about the fact that um, he likes what he sees. But she continues to work on herself and... What ends up happening throughout this book, you think that she keeps talking about this revenge body, but it turns into this amazing journey just for herself. It becomes more about being healthier, uh, being happier about who she is. It's not one of those stories where, oh, she drops 80 pounds, uh, you know, and flash forward, she's like this sex pot who's now like 100 pounds lighter. No, she just realizes that she is amazing the way she is. And her guy, like, screw him. And she takes on all these people and all these things around her that make her realize how amazing she is. And it's just the best story about finding your own self-acceptance and I loved every moment of it because it it ended up not being about a man it ended up being about her love story with herself which was just amazing and I was totally here for it and for a debut novel I just thought it hit all the right notes there is some spice it's it's about a two on the Megan Blush scale but It was just amazing. I think everybody should read it because, I mean, you'll come away from it with a whole different look at yourself and about just everyone's journey to self-love. And that was Savvy Sheldon Feels Good as Hell by Taj McCoy. You know, it's bad because when somebody says self-love, that's... You know, as soon as I said it, I was like, ah, crap. (laughs) Maybe I should have... Worded it a different way. <laughs> when somebody says self, self-love, self I automatically picture Tracy's dog. That so. <laughs> sounds awesome. It really does. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I love it when a book can surprise you. It's a true women's anthem. I mean, it's it's just amazing. And everybody should have a group of friends like this woman does. Uh, everyone should surround themselves with people, with their tribe, Yes. That make them feel like they can do anything. Mm -hmm. It's just amazing. And I loved it so much. Cool. Cool. Awesome. Mm -hmm. All right. So I guess you're in the spotlight, baby. (laughs) Lady Farrah. Lady Farrah's in the house tonight. Well, I decided to review, um, it's a YA book, but from a different country. And it's been translated. And it's book one of a quartet and it's called A Winter's Promise by Christelle Dubois. She's a Belgian writer but she's won the French Fantasy Awards and also I was reading an Irish you know been nominated Irish Awards and different in in Europe and this book was given to me by my sister for a birthday present (laughs) because uh she just finds good books <laughs> that I like. So this particular book, it is a fantasy novel. It takes place 
in uh, a world after a catastrophic event of Earth. What happened? They call it the rupture. And what happens is the Earth ruptured, and it then has like 21 different islands. Um, they call them arcs. And these floating islands are all around. And each of these different arcs have inhabitants that have different magical abilities. So the Winter's Promise opens on Anima, which is one of the arcs. And the inhabitants there have powers to affect different objects that are around. And so our heroine in this whole story, her name is Ophelia. She is shy. She's clumsy. (laughs) but she loves working in a museum with her uncle and she loves to read. So I like her already. (laughs) She's our people. Yes, exactly. (laughs) She was born in a big family. So all of her brother, older and younger brothers and sisters and each having their magical abilities. She is very plain spoken and headstrong, but she does have two gifts. One of her gifts is that if she touches an object, she can read that object of its history, who has touched it, who it belongs to, all the way back from the beginning. She can put her own personality into that object also. And then her other gift is that she can travel through mirrors. And it's just mirrors that has had her reflection. So she can move from one room to another room or as long as she has seen that mirror before. So um, that is another gift she has. And she has a pretty nice, happy life (laughs) that she likes. But what has happened is um, in her life, she's been able to avoid different marriage proposals. That's great. Until the government where she's at where she lives she is forced into an engagement to a lord and leader of a different arc and his name is thorn and he is very cold he doesn't speak much he's and he's huge he's really big i kind of think of like the the beast of you know beauty and the beast in, a, in such a way and but he's very influential on the arc that he's on which is called the pole and it's like the north pole it's very cold it's icy and snowy but he comes and her government is forcing her to marry him and so she goes off with him with her chaperone which is her her aunt rosalind so she has to leave her home planet which she loves and loves what she's doing and even though this is a um an arranged kind of marriage and she's forced to do that she's finding that okay this thorn he doesn't like her so she doesn't really like him very much but when she gets to the pole she has to um, kind of hide her abilities and stuff and then she finds out through living there that in this magical court where thorn is there's political plots people are trying to kill him there's people trying to kill her because she's his fiance and she's trying to find out answers. So this whole first book is more it's more of like for her a self-discovery of her strengths and powers and how she can figure out these mysteries herself and how she can trust her own instincts 
and sees control of situations and everything. And uh, as they say, it's less of a coming of age, but it's more of coming into her own power. Uh, the reason I loved it is because the heroine d- is not your typical heroine who's beautiful and can do all these things. She, she has her gifts, you know, of being able to t- touch objects. She has a, a scarf that it's animated because of her abilities. And so her scarf always tries to protect her, you know, grab her from things, from different things. And the other thing, which is kind of a hindrance, but it's funny, but she is very nearsighted. So she has glasses that really show her emotions, you know, if she's scared or, you know, thing. it's like they change colors about her emotions and stuff. So this was book one. There is that mystery. It's like, why does Thorne doesn't like her that much? Why is um, people trying to kill him and kill her? She discovers things um, in this world and why things are being this way. And as I said, it's the first book of a a quartet. So it's A Winter's Promise. And at the end, there's three other books for it. So that was A Winter's Promise by Christelle Dubois. I have been wanting to read that forever. Oh, but I'm a but the fourth book isn't out yet. It has it is now. Oh, and it is translating Uh for it to be finished because I'm not patient. So it's moved to the top of my list now. (laughs) Yeah, I yeah, it is translated now, and I've been on the wait list for about. 16 weeks to get for the very last book (laughs) yes Uh uh-huh so if you like some I was going to say if you like fantasy books especially from different countries because they have different perspectives then it's great world building really good world building um for that and if you see a picture of the author you you look at her and go oh she based her heroine kind of on her because she has glass, big glasses, long hair, and a <laughs> scarf and stuff. But that's sweet. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. That was delicious. Mm-hmm. Um, I love reading books from other countries. It's one of my favorite sports, actually. I'm gonna go to a totally, completely different place, as always. As yes, always. Seriously. But but usually, not a, in a predictable way. Hopefully. <laughs> so this week I am reviewing a book called The Intern's Handbook. By Shane Kuhn. I did an assassin a couple uh-huh. of weeks ago, too. I, I'm just in an assassin kind of mode <laughs> lately, I guess. Because she wants to kill us all. <laughs> Fantasizing about um, the demise of my enemies, and therefore I must take notes. <laughs> um, this is a really, you know, it's one of the reasons why I love and also hate Goodreads. Because there were a lot of people that had no business reading this book or commenting on it that gave it one star. When, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. oh, he's a terrible person. It's like, he's a fucking assassin. <laughs> what do you expect? He's going to feel remorse for every person he kills. That's not who he is. He's not yeah. Santa Claus. No. Yeah. So I got really cross whilst reading a few of the reviews just now. But I really, the, the funny thing is sometimes I feel like, I feel like if I really like a book, I need to go check and see. I doubt my own self where I go, okay, I really like this book, but I probably am wrong. So I'm going to go see what everybody else thought about it. <laughs> but I really did like this. And as I was reading through the comments and, and the reviews, I also discovered that he is a writer for television. And he's also the founder of something called the Slam Dance 
Festival, which is what? for screenwriting. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah it takes okay. place in Park City, Utah. See, I thought okay. Slam Dance was a whole different thing. That's, <laughs> I, that's why I had to Google it just now. I thought it was maybe something like a mosh pit. Personally, mm-hmm. I took this book. And I'm not sure if it was supposed to, if I was supposed to go that direction with it, but I'm totally taking it anyway. It felt to me like the darkest of dark humor. Like <laughs> I should be laughing at this because it's horrific. And anytime you get an assassin who, I mean, you have to laugh or, or you're going to cry. I mean, the guy has gone through horrible stuff in his life. His mother died in sort of a unique way in that she was shot while she was pregnant and the bullet grazed him in the womb and he was born she died and so so this he, is a happy he gets book. sent to foster care and whatnot and but the way the book is written he's writing a handbook for young assassins <laughs> and it takes place in a business setting because as for this company he works for what they do is that they hire people to go become part of the wallpaper so to speak so that they can get close to these people that they need to kill and so he goes into the offices as in as an intern and learns how to get close to these executives and it was there were some parts of it that were just really hilarious to me but I have a very twisted sense of humor so sometimes it's really hard for me to tell I'm now rethinking some of my coworkers that I have. <laughs> you see? Some of this shit can come in handy. That's all I'm saying. Everyone's getting a Snickers bar. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> On Monday, everybody gets a Snickers bar. But at the same time, the casual cruelty of this book will just rip out your fucking heart. There's a section where he's talking about what the company did to the first woman he fell in love with. Um... They they basically said, you know, don't get close to anybody. He falls in love. This is a young man. He falls in love with this girl, and he's starting to have these thoughts of how they could just chuck it all and, you know, run away together and whatnot. And he goes back to her apartment, and he finds out she's been dead for three days. Oh, <sighs> man. I mean, it's just horrible. Uh-huh. But at the same time, the tone of the book tends to go more towards the humor, the dark humor in it. And in life in general, the seriousness of the book and the humor and the horror of the book all sort of blends together over time. And what I liked, I think, the most about it is that you find out all of these details about him in the book and you kind of think it's part of the story and it's kind of not relevant. And yet, near the end of the book, the author weaves in some of these things and the things you didn't think were important turn out to be important and I thought personally in a lot of ways it was like watching a really long film which I sometimes I have a problem with that especially in a thriller but for some reason this book just hit the right button for me at the right time plus I'm bizarre well, there's that. <laughs> and I really kind of just get a kick out of really bizarre things that I probably shouldn't. I would probably, you know, laugh at my own funeral. It, it's just one of those. Well, if you wouldn't be dead. If I wasn't already dead, I would, I would laugh at my own funeral. But 
I think you could go one of two ways with this book. You would either love it or think, oh, gross. Because it's very violent. But for me, I saw it in my head as, as a, all through from dusk till dawn, I laughed because it was so absurd. I think I kind of laughed through that one too because it was absurd. See, and that's kind of how this felt to me. It felt absurd and it was so horrible in parts that you just had to, I don't know. I try to overexplain myself. I'm just going to say that I enjoyed the intern's handbook by Shane Kuhn because it was a nice ride one way or the other, whether you, you know, I enjoyed it. I would watch it on TV if it were a movie as well. It was fun Ooh. reading about an, assa- an assassin. And you know, the best way to get on the good side of an executive you make him the best cup of coffee of his life, and that way he will ask for you again and again. Now that's good advice. That's that all I have makes to say sense. about that. Yeah, <laughs> I liked Bonnie's uh, thought about giving him a Snickers bar. Right, because nobody's. It's it's never a good day when he's hangry. Mm. Yeah, that's that's, right, that's true. Yeah, I'm sorry. They I'm should like have Joe Pesci. No, I would have. They to have They should a be bringing you a fucking Snickers bar every day. <laughs> Me? Yeah. yeah. Are you trying to say that Uh-oh. I'm the intern's assassin? No. Mm-hmm. You might be, though. Maybe. Snickers bar wouldn't work for me. Me neither. What would you like? Mm-hmm. What, what's oh, because I'm allergic to peanuts. Oh, so, oh, so yeah, there's no, no way. Okay. What about Reese? But it's a good assassin no. bar. <laughs> so what are we going to bring you to make you, to, to turn your day around? Make sure you don't assassinate us. Assassinate us. Assassinate us. Um, I really like C's candies. <laughs> Chocolates. Lighter You dark. don't have... I'm a milk chocolate, chocolate. But, but I do like dark chocolate too. But um, I usually get the milk chocolate in the type of chewy things I I like. Mm-hmm. What what are these candies? What it's a candy store, you know, and candy company. Company is it like, like caramel get, or? Yeah, it's, it's good chocolate wrapped in caramel. You can get different things. Oh, you know, is this the expensive stuff, yeah. baby? <laughs> yes, uh, it's like. She has caviar v- dreams. Van Dines. Did you guys have Mm-mm. Van Dines out here? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, what's a candy shop that would we, we here? Uh, <laughs> yeah, we just buy. Bus? We just buy it at Walmart. <laughs> I don't, I don't oh, know. okay. <laughs> uh, would that be Hershey's? No, no, well, no. This is from my neck of the woods. Mm-hmm. Geneva <laughs> Dove. Witness. Oh, it's a Whitman. yeah. It's, Step above. It, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, we this have ain't candy. No we have, candy we have a seized candy here somewhere. Do we? I, I remember Kevin, the neighbor, mm-hmm. talking about it oh, in Penn Square oh, Mall. Okay. Yeah. And now right. I'm hungry for chocolate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I luckily I'm making doves in a cage today. Mm. You should never cage the doves. <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> Only because that's what it sounds doves. like when doves cry. cry. Oh, yes, I, was oh, oh. <laughs> I was just thinking of that. <laughs> but I'm bummed. I'm here till Tuesday. <laughs> The doves are going to cry because I'd be crunching in my mouth. That's right. I'll tell you. I'll explain. Bird of peace. Doves in a cage are, you know, those pretzels that look like a little cage? The little square pretzels that are like crosshatch. Okay. You take one of those and you put a dove. Chocolate. Dark chocolate with caramel in the center. And then you put it in the oven just till the chocolate's shiny. And then you slap another pretzel on top, and they're delicious. Just saying. And if you really want to get fancy, you can plonk a pecan in there, too. 
Did you put pecans in there? Because I won't no, eat it if you No, I haven't even made them yet. They're sitting on the counter. Oh, okay. They're you and me both. No yeah. pecans. No, Don't need. No pecans. They're, yeah. Can't do M and M's. Some of the Hershey kisses. Can you do the, the regular M and M's? You can't do the regular ones because of the factory that they're in. And um, oh God, I hope Dove doesn't know, has that have that issue. How they crush up peanuts and yeah, or and the, put them in. Dude, people oh, companies really mm-hmm. aren't very um, thoughtful of yeah. people with peanut allergies. Mm-hmm. We're gonna have to read that. We package. need to read that package and make sure that Dove doesn't. Oh, Dove is fine. Is it can, okay? Yeah, good. I can yeah. have Dove. Okay, good. These Doves will not be crying tonight. No. no. Well, yeah, they will. Crunch, crunch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they won't be alive long enough. They're to not cry. gonna be. <laughs> We're gonna let them out the cage, but in the most gruesome way you can imagine. Dear God. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say that sounds delicious. It is, it's and I made it up myself. Salt. I made it up myself. Well, that's the sea salt caramel, caramel. kind. Yeah. yeah, and now and you just, just shared it with the, the world and, and someone's in No, but sweet but, that, but mm. the word is out there, and because I've named it and it's on this podcast, if that anybody tries to invent it, I can say you fuckers stole it, and I have proof. I hate mm-hmm. to tell you, but that recipe is already on the internet. <gasps> Stolen. Do they call it doves in a cage? Yes. I've looked it up before. Here, I'll show you. Uh Uh-oh. I I invented that years ago. You were here. (laughs) So who else was in the room? Bonnie. And who was in the room when it happened? I sold it. I sold the (laughs) recipe. You treacherous fucking bitch. It was so funny that we started. We were like waxing about how much we loved each other. And now we're like, like, you treacherous bitch. This is how much I love her. I can tell her exactly how I feel to her. Maybe face. it was on TikTok that I saw it. I know I've I've seen it before. I know they stole that from TikTok me. I yeah. totally created that of my tiny scary brain. Damn you. Your tiny scary brain. I did. Now I'm mm-hmm. salty. Let's go have some salt caramel. I was going to say, like the doves in a cage are salty. We got to go put some doves in the the oven. We got to go salt some doves Doves. and eat them. You know, I think they used to eat doves back like... They did. Yes. Only they they call it squab. I was going to say, they don't call them doves because mm. no one wants to eat the bird of peace. They want to eat a squab. They want to eat a squab. Because that just sounds like an asshole. Squab. And some of the other birds that they used to eat. eat something called squab. Well, I can't mm-hmm. find it now, but I know I've seen it before because I was like, hey, Martha makes those. Squabs are the ugly doves that Bastard. nobody wants to play with on the playground. But, you know, really, though, if somebody brought me a plate Squabs of food and said, people. Here, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just now heard that. <laughs> and said, here, eat some squab. That doesn't sound very appetizing, but if you said... That's exactly why. Mm-hmm. Here's a plate of dove. For your pleasure, madame. Mm-hmm. Here, is a, a here of... is a seared breast of squab. For your pleasure? <laughs> Dude, that just sounds wrong. <laughs> no, you would think... For your palate. Ask, what's squab? For your palate. Yeah, that's what... I was like, mm-hmm. is it... Does it taste like chicken? <laughs> Everything tastes like chicken. <laughs> squab no, sounds like something that comes from the underground that you would like yeah. hit with a hammer if you <laughs> saw it in the dark. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. a hammer. It's another name for that hunter spider. What is it? <laughs> it probably gets eaten by that hunter spider. Right? They're like, where's the squabs? <laughs> Gimme. <laughs> now I'm going to find a child. <laughs> Squ- oh. for, for a second what I was thinking swab so s- squab the deck 
Uh-huh. So we just take dead pigeons and just <laughs> <laughs> clean, clean off the deck of the ship. <laughs> oh, oh, Martha. Uh, <laughs> where do I go from there? I don't oh, know. We what's that spider called? has that same base. Huntsman. Huntsman. I huntsman said hunter, master. but it's a huntsman, huntsman spider. spider. I, I, because I it hunts wrong. the man? Oh, fuck. They're We're all done. Huge. Just I'm never going to Australia, huge. man. Mm-hmm. Wasn't there like a uh, Snow White and the Huntsman or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It was about Everything a love story between Snow White and a spider. God, <laughs> yep. you're making my skin crawl. Quit. Mm-hmm. Look at. Look. <laughs> <laughs> but they get like. Speaking of dead birds on a stick, the Renaissance Festival is this weekend. <laughs> I need some squabs on a stick. You got any squab up in there? Oh. <laughs> Turkey leg, but no squab. Right, it's no Costco hot dog. Uh, yeah. on this <laughs> we have. Oh, oh, you know no there is a country birth. singer. Oh fuck! <laughs> Called I mean, there's lots. Garth Brooks. No, that's no, not his name. You can't make fun of Garth Brooks on the podcast. God People will it. hate us. Fine, Fine. Fine. Yeah, he probably mm-hmm. has a pencil dick. <laughs> You don't know. Maybe he has a tuna can. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I read a book about that. <laughs> a tuna can. What they call that? A chode? I think that's no. what it's called because I was playing that. Wait What's the dirty wordle? Yeah. Oh. And, uh, they mm-hmm. said. Where it's super huge, big around, and really short. Mm-hmm. Right. Why did you say that had to do with a tuna can? Where did that come from? Because we were talking about girth. Earth. Mm-hmm. Because Girth me I still don't understand where the tuna can comes in. <laughs> because I was joking around no. and I called it a tuna can. Oh no, it was on an SNL. Holy shit! Yeah, yeah, it was an SNL. Skit. I knew I'd heard it someplace else. Yeah, a chode reminds me of, of um, when on Weird Science when <laughs> she turns their brother into that thing that looks oh, like my a. Good. I think his name was Chuck. So, a chode. You know, like a chuck and a toad. You need to together. stop saying it. I don't chode. like that word. I'm chode. adding it to my moist word <laughs> problem. You don't like chode? <laughs> Naming my third born son. Chode. I tell you what, if it, if he had a chode, you oh, wouldn't chode. have to worry about her being moist. Okay, we're done. And that's going to do it for Three, three Book Girls. Girls. Can't get enough of Three Book Girls? Check them out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow them on TikTok, YouTube, and check out their website at threebookgirls.com. And join the group Three Book Girls Tribe on Facebook. If you really love them, share the podcast with a friend or join them at one of their live events. Three Book Girls, a Steel Trap production.